Welcome to Mom Fashions, an honest discussion about the beauty and burden of motherhood. I'm Emily. And I'm Beth. And we hope these next few minutes encourage, inspire, and remind you that we are all in this together. This is Mom Fashions, a Fort Worth Moms production. Episode 54, The Importance of Soul Food Sunday. Yes. Let me do it again. That no, soul like that. food Sunday is hard soul to say. Food. I think you did it well, though. Are you it sure? It didn't sound weird. It didn't sound okay. slurred. Soul food. <laughs> soul food Sunday. Mmm. <laughs> Yum. Mmm. Hello, Mom Fashions listeners. It's Emily here. And we have another guest in our studio today. Um, Beth and I are here hanging out with our friend and our teammate. She's a writer for Fort Worth Moms. We have Adrienne. Hello, Adrienne. Hello. How are you guys? We are good and good. We're regretting this early morning recording. Yes. But. We've been we've been talking that we needed to name the episode Foggy Morning Brain. This yes. is what it is. So we are pushing through and we will slowly start to wake up the more and more we talk. I know I know it's gonna happen. So we are really excited that you are joining us today. I've actually, I think asked you to come on for this episode um, earlier in the year, but we couldn't make it work because you uh, work in our local school system. And so we had to try to beg you to come on for the summer. You said yes. We're excited. Can you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yes, you're a writer for Fort Worth Moms, but there's a whole lot more to you than that. So just share with um, everyone, you know, as much as you're comfortable. So, yes, I'm Adrian, and, yeah, I do work for the local school district. I'm a school counselor by day, event planner by night. Um, I'm a mom of one little girl, and I'm expecting another little girl. So we'll have a house full of women soon. And um, I am from the great state of Illinois, the city of Chicago. Uh, but I have been in Texas. I think it's my 12th year here. I feel wow. like it has completely flown by. But yeah, I still kind of consider myself a Chicagoan. But Texas is starting to feel like home. So we wanted to talk about the um, article that she wrote called So For oh, Jesus Save Me From My Sins. Okay. We wanted to talk about the article she wrote last year in 2020, God Loved That Year, which ended up being our most popular article written by someone on our writing team. And it was called Soul Food Sunday, Granny's Favorite Recipes. In retrospect, it makes complete sense to me that it became number one because one, it was 2020, right? Mm -hmm. We were all cooking more. But even more so, Granny's favorite recipes means, like, to me, it equals Granny's comfort in my heart. Yes. And if ever we needed that, it was in 2020. Oh, absolutely. 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 And just that you're, we were so disconnected from family members yeah. like that. So to be able to connect and be reminded of... Um, you know, granny's comfort or just whoever you're missing. Right. You know, food has that connection with people. Yeah. 
I can see why it why it was popular. Okay, Adrian. I know that that particular article was part of an editorial series. I think we did. That was the Food Fights um, series. Yeah. And so you contributed to that. But can you give us a little bit of background on, like, why you chose that? Why Granny's recipes are so special to you? Well, my grandmother is pretty special to me. (laughs) We grew up in like a generational household. So my mom still lives with my grandparents. So we grew up with my grandparents. So I basically had three parents growing up. My father wasn't around, but um, it was my mom, my grandmother, and my grandfather. They still live in the same house I grew up in. <laughs> like it is, that's that's really home. And my grandmother isn't cooking as much now <laughs> in her older age, but um, Sundays were the days that we always had like some sort of like home cooked meal and you're right during 2020 it was it really sucked because I tried to get home um I found out I had COVID I couldn't get home I mean I was just like in a tussy about it all like that I just could not get home I was just it was bad so yeah being reminded of her food and her cooking was a really good article to write she is an excellent cook and like not taught by anyone, you know, just by her parents. And of course, like I've said in the article, she follows no recipes. And I always like wanted to learn some of her recipes. And really, I just had to like just sit and watch because she doesn't write anything down (laughs) like ever. I remember when you were like pitching this article idea to me for the editorial series and you were like, well, this may be a little challenging because I'm going to have to figure out her, like, measurements because, yes, there is no, like, it's all stored in the catalog of her her brain. Yeah, she's got, like, a library of good information up there. And thank you for collecting some of that for us. Yeah, it was, I, I remember her, um, like, cornbread dressing is really good, too. And so that's always something we have on Thanksgiving. And there were several Thanksgivings. I would be like, okay, grandma, do not cook the dressing until I get home. Okay. Uh, Because I need to watch you. I need to watch you do it. And she would like do it without me. And I'm like, grandma, I told you to wait. (laughs) wait." And so I finally like have gotten it, you know, like usually on Thanksgiving, I spend with my husband's family now. Um, so I don't go home, but I call her every Thanksgiving and like, let's go over it again. Like, so what do I need? <laughs> so yeah, she's awesome. She is, she is a magnificent chef. I, I really think like just about anything she cooks, she like, it's a, it's a hit no matter what. I, I really missed her during that time. And uh, it was, it was really good to just talk about some of those good meals that we used to have. You know, just a few episodes ago, we published an episode about, it was called Flipping the Script. And that's a conversation where Beth and I talked about ways that we are maybe parenting differently from how we were raised, things that we wanted to change. And I remember feeling, even as we were recording the episode, 
that it's really not all or nothing. Like one way, or yeah. like we're completely flipping the script because even as we were talking, we kept coming back to, well, there are also aspects of the way we grew up that we want to preserve. So it really is like both and. Of course, every parent will choose to do something differently, maybe a lot of things differently. Mm-hmm. Um, But I think every one of us, we all come from three different, like, family situations. Like, even me, who came from an abusive and dysfunctional home, has aspects of my childhood and, and things I experienced that I want to preserve for my kids. And as we were thinking about this episode, I got really tickled to say that most of it does revolve around food. And I don't know what the psychology of Mm -hmm. all that is, but no, like I'm not making this up just for the sake of this episode. But even when we originally read your article, even thinking about this episode now, I connected with that in such a way. I don't know your grandmother, your granny, but I know my grandma and mamma, both of them. And I have really positive memories and and feelings of being safe and loved and nurtured with them. And it's really around their dinner table, like their chocolate pie, Mm -hmm. my grandmother's chicken and dumplings, the homemade mac and cheese, like all of those things make me somehow feel love. And I don't know how it works. What about you, Beth? Yeah, I agree. I think food is so integral to relationship. And um, I mean, I, I have a hard time, not just because I love eating, but I have a hard time when I do like regular events with groups of people. We have a small group that we meet with um, weekly for church. And like, even when we don't do a meal together, it's like, well, what, what are we going to do? Why would we get together if we're not going to eat? You I'm know? not going to see you if we're not eating. Right. right? <laughs> but it, I think that it when you have a meal with somebody, it kind of, it takes some pressure off where you have something else you can focus on, maybe something that you can relate on. And when it's a family meal, it's like they're sharing a part of themselves. There are things that my grandma cooked that I'll always remember. And when I make them, I'll think about them. But for me, the biggest area where food comes into play in my relationships is with my in-laws. My husband is Asian. Part of his family is Chinese. Part is Thai. um, And then there's also Portuguese and Latvian. And so you get these culture-rich areas, and they all really celebrate each culture. And so they bring that into the food that they cook. Food is a huge part of culture. It is. It very much is. And I think that you experience a culture when you try their food, and you kind of, you begin to understand them, and maybe it's kind of that thing of like they're giving you a part of themselves, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and it's it's almost a way to be vulnerable without being vulnerable. And so being able to connect with them going from my upbringing of meat and potatoes right. and hamburgers 
to now, Joe is the one who introduced me to sushi and just sitting down with his mom and having her cook me authentic Thai food. Those kind of things where it's like our Thanksgiving dinner had a turkey, but it was kind of secondary to all of the other, you know, we had noodles and we had rice and we have sushi that they bring in. And I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah. it's fun. Yeah. And so they have this list when they get together of all of the different things that they're going to cook and everybody's Mm going to try and So that really has been an important kind of relational factor for me and how I relate to, you know, my in-laws. Yeah. Something that has changed, though, I had um, a food sensitivity that for a while I wasn't able to eat a lot of the foods that my in-laws were making. Mm -hmm. And it made our – it actually changed our relationship. Right. Like it it separated us a little bit to where this was the way that they showed love and I could no longer participate in that – and so I wonder if you all have seen that happen, like, within your families, because I'm sure Granny's Sunday dinners were like, this is how I show love. And if you can't show up for Sunday dinner, <laughs> you know. Definitely in the African-American community, if you go somewhere and there is food being served and you decline, it is almost like a slap in the face. <laughs> like, mm. how dare you come over here and I have slaved over this kitchen <laughs> and, like, prepare this meal and like you're not hungry no way like you have to eat please don't decline second plates either like (laughs) if you have eaten and you're like oh I'm stuffed oh girl go get some more go get some more (laughs) I mean you gotta go get some more I mean you just you just it's almost like a sign of respect that like you're showing this elder in their home like you know I appreciate what you've done for us I appreciate this meal and it's also like a way to show that like I really think it's good. You know, like your plate needs to be clean. Like I've eaten it all. It was delicious. Okay. So so yeah, I, I can definitely see how it could ruin relationships too. I as you were saying that, I was thinking how one of my daughters does not like chicken and dumplings. And like I make the chicken and dumplings mm-hmm. that my grandmother made like to the T, right? Yeah. And I felt this enormous sense of complete boastful pride when I made these chicken and dumplings for my grandparents-in-law one time. And my grandmother-in-law said they were the best chicken and dumplings she ever had. <laughs> I was like, yes. I know. (laughs) I know they are. They are my grandmother's recipe. Like, these are so good. And then I felt completely insulted and just like, you know, well, I don't know where we're going to go from here, honey, if you don't like these. Like, I mean, like, this is like, I I am not raising a daughter that does not like these chicken and dumplings. You will try them. Like, this is a mark of being a part of this family. Which is ridiculous. (laughs) I know. But in the moment, Mm -hmm. that is how I felt in my heart. Like, I cannot believe I have a child that doesn't like grandma's chicken and dumplings. Like, this is horrible. But on a more, a less emotional, highly responsive level, we do encounter those types of relational breakdowns. I mean, that may be extreme, but kind of just even awkwardness because of food allergies. Like we just went on a vacation and my in-laws went with us and uh, we chose a Polynesian destination that has 
mango, tree mm-hmm. nuts, sesame. There was a lot of that. We didn't bump into the English green peas as much, but those are my daughter's allergens. <laughs> and literally, um, we did a fair amount of cooking ourselves, but literally every restaurant that we went to when we went to eat out, it was a bit of an ordeal because a significant amount of their menus included those items. So they either had to be altered or we had to avoid them. My in-laws are are never like upset about having to skip over this or that. But it was kind of, I think, an interesting experience for them and for us going to so many restaurants. And in some places, literally half of the menu we couldn't order from, right? Because it wouldn't be safe because she has contact food allergies. There was some, like, visible disappointment. You know, we really wanted that, like, macadamia-crusted pineapple cobbler. Mm -hmm. But there was no way for them to alter that. This episode is brought to you by Fort Worth Moms, an online parenting resource to encourage and inspire moms in North Texas and all over the world. So going back to how we talked about the flipping the script episode and then this episode kind of focusing more on, you know, what are the parts of your heritage, your ancestors, the way you were brought up? What parts are you trying to recreate or preserve for your kiddos? My family has always been very involved in church. That is definitely something I want to pass on to my daughter. Uh, My mom is like insanely involved. (laughs) I mean, during the pandemic, even still, she was working with the seniors, giving them meals. She works at the food pantry. She works with the youth. I mean, constant. And especially being a transplant, that was one of the first things she told me to do was find a church home. Always find the church home. And they have been instrumental in making my transition here to Texas be smooth. And when I need something, I know I can call on them. So I do want to instill that in my daughter that, like, your church family is your family, too. That is a big part of our community is our church family. And we made some really good friends who now have, you know, that we're both like young, you know, young couples with kids around the same age. So I'm really excited to like see them grow up together in like this church community. So, so yeah, that's definitely something I want to preserve and make sure she knows is important. What about you, Beth? Yeah, I would agree. I think there are um, belief systems that I grew up with that, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we hold on to. Something that's interesting for us is I grew up in the Christian tradition. My husband and I are both Christian now, but he grew up with a mom who is Buddhist. And so for him, he chose something totally different from his, you know, his mom's culture, his mom's religion, all of that. And so trying to integrate some of who she is and what she believes into my girls' lives, I think it's important. And so I've taken my girls to the temple at times. They Mm -hmm. do meals there. And just so that they can see that, they can see that, you know, this is part of where you come from. Yeah. And I have found there are ways that I can 
that I can kind of adjust things to make it work with our family now. So a really simple example of that would be uh, when I grew up, my grandma would make corned beef and cabbage, and that was my absolute favorite meal, which is odd for a kid. I feel like I'm learning a lot about yeah. you that I didn't know in this little segment. Right? Yeah. 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 This is really good. Yeah. So uh, so corned beef and cabbage. Like, even as a young kid, this was my birthday meal of choice. And I think because it was so I connected. Like, so weird. And I would literally just eat, like, the cabbage is the best part to me. Like, mm-hmm. that, I would just eat cabbage and, yeah. So, um so that has been something that I was like, I will, I don't cook well at all. Like it's, no, it is a. I don't believe you. It's a thing. I have stories. <laughs> but so this was one of the things that I was like, this I will make for my family. Well, of course, none of my children want to eat a big pot of Right. And cabbage. don't you feel just like completely yes. appalled that yes. they responded this way? <laughs> it is. This I relate to. Yes. It is offensive. What I started doing is I will make a huge crock pot of corned beef and cabbage, and then I'll take the vegetables and the meat from it and chop it up and then fry it in a pan and make it into like a hash. Yeah. And then we'll put eggs on it. So then I get my corned beef and cabbage, but then I also make something that my family will actually eat. So yeah. it's I've I've been able to kind of adapt to that thing, but I think we do that in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. um, not just with food. That's true, yeah. But, you know, I you think— You make a version of it. Yes, yeah. because you want it to still be with you, but sometimes your kids just don't want your cabbage and your dumplings. <gasps> I will never, never adjust <laughs> grandma's dumplings. <laughs> My kids probably will, and they'll invite me over when they're older, right. and I'll have to be like, okay, I'll eat this. Like, I don't know what you've done to it, but okay. Right. And when we all go home tonight for dinner, you're going to be serving right. your corned beef and cabbage. I'm like, well, I think we're going to have some dumplings tonight. Yeah. I don't care if it's July. Adrienne's going to whip out some cornbread stuffing. Mm. Like, we we're should, all craving We should it have now. a potluck, I feel Ooh, like. we should. I've thought about that, actually. Yeah. A potluck would be fantastic. Yeah. Well, I think um, for me, food is something that is really important to me. And I grew up in a southern, like super deep south southern tradition. Most of my childhood was lived in the deep south. But my parents are actually like from East Tennessee. So it's like an Appalachian kind of heritage. And so those are similar, but pretty different when you get down to like listing things about them. And so... I can kind of relate about, like, you never refuse food Mm -hmm. from someone who has made it for you. Like, this I know as a fact. One thing that my parents did really well, and I think probably had more of a salvaging or redeeming aspect in the middle of everything else that was going on, is my, my mom cooked three meals a day full-on biscuits and gravy for breakfast. My dad would come home from lunch, and they would always be like, even if it was sandwiches, she would have cooked some sort of vegetable to go with them. Like, I'm being totally serious. I've not taken, I've adjusted on that part. (laughs) And we always had like a home-cooked meal. But when we were all there, I mean, not for lunch always, but we would eat at the table together. I think that had more positive 
help for our family than I could have ever realized as a child. And that's something I've been pretty adamant about because I've seen the value of it. It's having at least one meal. We do dinner most usually at the table, even when we have cranky pants about it. But I still try really hard to include Southern food, Mm -hmm. like because that is like, it is soul food. Like it's part yeah. of my heart and soul. Like yeah. it's it's the warm parts of my family to give to my kids. That also translate into, and I associate this with my grandmother as well, one in particular, of playing games around the table. Mm-hmm. So food around the table, having game night around the table. And those are things that I try to preserve for my kids. Like I'm just yeah. not going to let those go. Like we are playing a game. Yes, we are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whether you like it or not, right now we're playing a game. You will have fun. You will have fun. Let me see a yes. smile. Yes. Adrienne, are you doing Sunday dinners? Is that something that you've carried on? Um, not so much. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot of work. Yeah, yes. it is a lot of work. I mean, I remember my grandmother like starting, she would usually cook on Saturdays. You know, and then like yeah. we oh, would yeah. warm up everything on Sunday. So no, for a while there, we were eating out every Sunday. I know it's bad. No, it's not bad. No, At no way, it is not bad. <laughs> it was starting. I mean, it was definitely a bad financial decision <laughs> because we were spending so much money. I mean, every Sunday we were going somewhere to eat. I did for a while there start cooking because it seemed like everywhere we went, it was taking forever. The food wasn't right. I was just like, screw it. Like, let's just go home. I'll cook. But some of the things that my grandmother cooked on Sundays, like I remember like lima beans being something that like, I love them. But like, I can tell you now, my daughter would never touch them. My husband's really not into beans either. So, I mean... Some of the things she cooks, like, I still don't even know how to do. And like you said, like, our family is, like, different. And, I mean, soul food, to be honest, isn't the best for you either. So it's full of, you know, smoked meat and lots of fat and butter. And, yeah, there's a reason it tastes really good. We were really trying to eat healthier. So, you know... Some of those menu items just don't cut it, you know? Yeah. So I actually had a fair amount of guilt that I had to work through in my Mm -hmm. early motherhood days over Sunday meals because Sunday meals were, Sunday lunch in particular, was a big deal at my house growing up. My mother's deceased now, so I can't ask her, but I have wanted to and wondered because we would get home from church and then she would start frying chicken. And I'm like, how long did we wait to eat? Because frying chicken is not like this little quick thing, you know, like it takes a while to get a good fried chicken. Mm -hmm. I can just remember her like getting her apron, tying it around. Like, you know, we would like she would get a whole chicken because that's the most inexpensive way to buy chicken. And she would like slaughter it in the sink. Like, I mean, it was already dead, but you know what I mean? Breaking it down. (laughs) But to me, it was like slaughtering it with her big, huge knife. Yeah. Yeah, and like put it in flour. Like she had her little stations where she wow. did all that and then putting it in the hot oil. Like I did have some guilt because Sundays are actually my day off mm-hmm. from preparing any food. 
That usually means for us actually leftovers or what Brian calls pullouts, <laughs> like whatever you can pull out of the fridge and make in an edible form is yep. what we're having. You know, back when it was more normal life, you know, after church, probably one Sunday a month or something, we would go go out to dinner. But even then, it's not like we would go to like Jersey Mike's or something mm-hmm. to get sent. We're yeah. just like, it's like low key food now yeah. on Sunday. But I had to like come to terms with myself that that is okay. Yeah, Those foods are important to me for a different reason than what day they're served on, you know. And I incorporate them into our monthly rotation in different ways. Lima beans are literally probably a weekly staple, and I am not kidding. I'm not kidding. We all, like, actually everybody loves lima beans. And that was one thing that my husband had never eaten growing up in a Midwestern home. Yep. Until he met me, and he'll often say, like, he was like, I never knew I'd love lima beans so much. (laughs) And I'm like, welcome to the club. You talked about with Granny having a hard time getting her recipes down because she just does it by heart. My mother-in-law is like that, too, and she will cook these incredible meals. And I cannot tell you how many times I've been like, okay, I'm going to make it with you, and I'm going to take notes. And I have never, ever been able to recreate the same dishes to make them as well as she does. And so with the recipes that you shared in that article, were you able to recreate any of your granny's food to, like, your satisfaction? I definitely have. Yeah, like the smothered pork chives, the cornbread for sure. She does follow the recipe for the cornbread. That is like one that baking, she does tend to like, she follows a recipe. But any like savory foods, you can forget about it. She, yeah, it's just like, do it to the taste right. Just taste it, Adrian. Like, she'll be, just taste it. What does it taste like? I'm like, I don't know. Some of it is you just kind of have to, figure it out on your own because she really doesn't know (laughs) she's just like throw that in there until it tastes right I'm like okay like how much like just a pinch I'm like grandma seriously like you know like I don't what a teaspoon and not no that's too much I'm like oh my god you're like no definitely the ones that I want I really like want to eat for sure I think I've gotten those down Greens was a really big one, too. Like, her greens are really good. And so, of course, me trying to adjust and make them a little healthier, I used a smoked turkey instead of a ham hock. Oh, she was like, those are not going to taste worth nothing. I was like, you better go get that ham hock. I was like, oh, my Lord. (laughs) That's funny. You know, all of that has been cultivated in their heads and hearts for years Mm -hmm. and years because... I'm making an assumption here, but I'm going to guess that their generation did not have access to Jersey Mike's on Sundays like we did. I mean, we have, and even like, think about the offerings that we have in the grocery store, all this easier made food, like shortcuts we take. Yeah. And that's why we are so obsessed if it's a teaspoon or not, because we haven't (laughs) had all of that practice of really doing stuff every day. That's true. That is like from really from the garden or just based on what's in season 
So that said, do you feel like this is going to be a lost art for future generations? Like, I feel like we're, we are culturally, we move a lot faster. We, we don't take the time to make a big meal and sit down at the table and, you right. know, do that every week. But I know that I don't cook regularly enough to be able to train my kids to be able to do it. And so is is yeah, this it's like these be, matriarchs? Yeah, yeah we've yeah, got these we matriarchs. Are we losing yeah. their legacy? In we that? can't. It can't happen. We have to keep it up. I mean, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be a lost art. I think food is just so important to everyone that I don't. I don't know. I don't think. It may not be done as often, but I do think those meals that you really want to keep in your family, you'll do it. I know I listened to the podcast, the last one, and you guys are talking about like how intentional parenting is. I think this will be one of those intentional things. Like people will intentionally make sure that like grandma's recipes are not lost. Like we cannot do that. That would be, that would be a crime to humanity. (laughs) It would. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. My husband and I have even talked about this. You know, we have a garden and we do it out of compulsion, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's just something in us that wants to garden. And we come from a long line of gardeners on both sides of our family. Yeah. But we don't see our garden the same way as they did, right? We see ours as like a hobby, Mm -hmm. right? And we, like, we don't plant enough things to can anything but like my in-laws they still have that mentality they can a ton of stuff every year from Mm -hmm. their garden because it's the mentality that you still have to feed yourself in the winter yeah right I mean like but that is like not our mentality Mm -hmm. at all we've even talked about like should we because neither of us know how to can like should we just learn it and try it some so that that is just like a life skill that we keep, you yeah. know, and like you yeah. can pass on. And it's something, I mean, it's not like, it's not like my in-laws are the last people can. <laughs> and if no one does it after them, it's dead. That's yeah. all I'm saying. But like for our family, like none of his siblings are canning anything. And, mm-hmm. you know, but canning was a big part of my grandmother's life. I don't know about yours. If they, did they can things? I don't know. Like you have. Pretty sure they did and smoked a lot of meat, like that type of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but like living through a pandemic, I mean, you kind of are like, maybe we should learn because those shelves were kind of bare with those canned goods. It might've been Mm -hmm. nice to have some cans of your own. So yeah, I mean, you know, we think like we're too far removed from it. And then like something slaps you in the face like a pandemic and you're like, oh, right. well, maybe we should learn how to like feed ourselves. But you just, yeah. we always expect for the grocery store to be full, but that's not like an inherent right that yeah. we have. We have something like that in my side of the family. So my grandmother is the youngest of 19 children. God bless her mother. Yeah. So there is this bread recipe that has been passed down from my great-grandmother, and she used to make this probably multiple times a week to feed all of her kids. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a recipe that is made to feed 19 children. So it's not for a little family of no. five. No, and my mom will when she has my girls, she'll make this bread with them. And I mean, it's she's giving it away to neighbors and right. people at the store and anybody, you know, anybody yeah. she can find because it's so much. But I couldn't make bread 
for the life of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it is something where for them, that was a necessity. For my mom, it's nostalgia. And for me, it's just like, okay, just make sure you call me when you make it because I'm going to come over and eat some. You know, right. like yeah. it is interesting, just yeah. the change. How much do you hold on to? Right. You know? Yeah. And how you adjust, like you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we would love to hear from our listeners. And mm-hmm. I would like to know, please share with me the foods yes. that bring you nostalgia, the warm, fuzzy feelings, things you love, stuff you want to keep and pass down. Because I want to try them, right? Yes, so just, recipes, Yeah, please. just put a link in that comment, please, so we can all try this food together. And Adrian, thank you so much for joining us and talking about your family heritage and history Mm-hmm. And thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing Granny's recipes with us. <laughs> we will put a link to that article in our show notes so we can continue to share Granny's love with everyone. Thanks so much. Thank you. As always, visit fwmoms.com to see the notes from this show, including links to products and content mentioned in this episode. And one more time, just in case you missed it, fwmoms.com. Fort Worth Moms.